Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. You ask what is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. Uh, this is Lee Different. We're here um, with um, Brahman Creighton and Stone Eliezer, and we've been talking really about um, learning and developing the kind of mental, emotional um, strength uh, to be able to succeed at whatever endeavor you are facing in life, and that being a leader is really about uh, discovering yourself, who you are, understanding your identity, and developing the internal strength the mental strength to be able to push through those those valleys and climb those mountains to be able to be successful. And uh, as you were talking, and 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 on, on you know on our break, but as we were talking and discussing, I, it, you made me think about how I, how I grew up. So my mom, um, I was in a high school that's predominantly white and you know Midwest and 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 I, I grew up in suburbia. Um, and but my mother, she put us in those schools because she really wanted to make sure we got real educated at one of the best schools in Michigan. But she was a teacher. She refused to teach there. Hmm. So she went and taught in the inner city because she was like, these kids don't have and will never have unless they were equipped. Because she grew up in Jim Crow, South Tennessee, mm-hmm. going to the river to get water, to bring it to the house, wow. all that kind of stuff. And um, she walked up. She sat down with me one day and she said, um, you don't have enough black friends. And, of course, I'm sitting there going, um, I didn't know that was one of my goals was to count count the number of friends I had of various races. And she said, she, of course this was, this was back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. She goes, well, let me help you understand. <laughs> and so Camp Park was deep inner city, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And my mom said this summer, you're not going to play with your school guys. You're going to play with the an inner city team downtown where, where I come, where I teach. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to one of my friends, Mr. Lewis, and he's going to take you on to his 16 and above team. I was 13 in eighth grade and you're going to be on it. And so she said, I'll drop you off and I'll pick you up later. And I, I was like, you're going to drop me off? Because <laughs> to me, now, living in the Bay Area, you go Camp Hall Park where I was at, well, that's not really dangerous. But to, to our area, that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so she dropped me off at Camp Hall Park and I stood there. And I, I didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do. I knew Mr. Lewis. That's all I knew. He came up, showed up, and then the other players came. And every last one of them was visibly tougher <laughs> emotionally stronger mm. and better mm-hmm. and i just i didn't i don't think i knew how to be depressed at that age because in the midwest i'm not sure you're allowed to be depressed right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you can be a lot of things but that, that didn't come around yet, <laughs> yeah, exactly. discovered that yet. yeah 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 if you get depressed you're really in trouble right. so you better so i i played and i remember we were running some drill and i bumped into a kid he goes don't you ever bump into me again and i just kind of inside i just kind of freaked out and got really afraid um and uh, and it went on the whole about a quarter of the summer. And then one time I was standing there and I was talking to a kid named Terry Roscoe. Terry Roscoe would go on to be all city and all whatever. Actually, f- seven of the guys on that team would go on to wow. be incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just put on it. And I would I would actually, as a freshman, end up watching some of them play varsity while I was on a freshman team at games and they were killing people, you know, mm-hmm. just not killing us, mm-hmm. not me, but the, the team that was the singers. But my, my, I, I, I bumped, I, I Terry Roscoe came up to me. He goes, 
so so you're from Kentwood because where I was from was considered to be you know somewhat affluent and that's mm-hmm. all relative to the Midwest you, what you were saying earlier about the differences it's yes. not that big a difference but it seems like it is based on distance from point to a point b he said he said you're from Kentwood yeah, yeah. he said what's your last name anyway and because uh, they you know they just knew it was Russ that's all they called me and I said Ewell they go Ewell you wouldn't be Mrs. Ewell's son would uh-uh. you? Uh-huh. And, and, and and Terry, he, I go, yeah, my mom's Ms. Jules teaches the South Middle. My mom taught Floyd Mayweather. Oh, no way. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> Love Floyd. And so my, my, Terry Roscoe turns to all the kids, he goes, get over here. The whole team walks over, he goes, this is Mrs. Yule's son. And there's another kid named Roscoe something. He goes, Mrs. Yule, Mrs. Yule, if you're in her class and you won't learn, she will make you learn. Uh-huh. And from that point on, I was in and would be in with them for three years. They played in the city. I That's played in awesome. the service. But it was the time in my life at 13 to 14 when I became tough. Mm. Prior to that, mm. and they started teaching me to be tough. Mm. like And teaching me, on it, quite frankly, to be an African-American. Yeah. <clears throat> they started going, okay, dude, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. You don't even know which side is up. Mm. And that was a transformative, you know how that conversation you had with your mother that we mentioned in our, in a previous episode, that was the conversation that changed my life. And so when you were talking about the difference between the Midwest and the, and the, and the, the West and, uh, and, and the difference in cultures and the way things are, and that we love living out here. And of course, many years ago, I can't imagine that scene taking place today where a parent would sit down and say, you're going to go to a hard place a danger you're not tough enough as a kid that's what my mom was basically saying you don't know your own culture right. you don't know your own people and you don't have the internal i don't know if everybody loves their kid as much as uh, your mother obviously loved you to do uh, that for you that uh, was a gift yeah well was, it really was. It was a gift so as you were talking i was like it, i i you know I, I think about your dad i think about your mom i think about what you're talking about and you're talking about the midwest i was like that's the kind of stuff that's done for us by those, as Coach K said in our previous podcast, that's done by those other people in our lives who help us along the way. And so what we were, I was trying to uh, 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 prompt uh, uh, Brahman, and I want to get Stone in on this too, that I think as a coach uh, and as a teacher, which is funny because they're the same thing, right? Yeah, yes. Yep. <laughs> um, as a coach and a teacher, um, that you develop leaders. And um, and Stone's done done some coaching work with you and, and coached some others and mentors a lot of people now, a tremendous number of people. But when when you look at someone and you're saying, okay, because I'm thinking about leadership, I'm thinking about Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I think some of the problems I, – I worked in D.C. for a while, too. I think some of the problems D.C. is having uh, – and, again, this is Russ Yule with uh, Brown Creighton and Stone Eliezer on Lead Different um, – some of the problems that uh, Silicon Valley is having with Washington is also cultural. And that even in D.C., D.C. is, is, is a little bit East Coast with a Southern charm. Hmm. But as far as the intensity level, it's East Coast. And, and the seriousness level and the don't mess around with me level, it's a, it's a rough town. Hmm. And it looks good on TV, you know, but hand-to-hand combat yeah. is, is like being in a fight. Um, but I look at leaders today and I look at leaders of yesterday. And sometimes I think the thing that's missing is that not a lot of the leaders have that internal strength and we won't mention names. So nobody gets upset, but it seems like there's some people out there who can get hit with criticism and they punch back, they dodge, they know it's a fight. There are others that get hit with criticism and they don't realize it's a fight. It's a battle. If you want to be president, if you want to be governor, if you want to be mayor, if you want to start a company, they say most companies fail within five years. 
you better have something inside of you besides an idea. Does that does that seem appropriate? So I'm wondering if you were to look at leaders and say, if I was going to develop leaders in any area, how would you start as a coach? How, what would you because you talked about coaching Will Eliezer in the other podcast and your kids. But I'm wondering if you get this person who's just like, I want to be great, but I'm afraid or I'm anxious. Where well, would you start? Well, I think part of it is is working for the sake of working. You know, I think hard wow. work makes kids just so much better character wise. And, you know, I talked about that in the article that I, I wrote. I wrote this article about my middle child and his journey through wrestling. He's a very non-competitive guy. Oh, really? Where's the, where, where's the article? Um, I posted it on LinkedIn somewhere. Oh, we'll have to get that. We'll, we'll put it's the called we'll, Those we'll, Who Stay Will Be Champions. We, Great we article. Will, we will put that on our podcast link right so on. people can get to it. So I, I just think when you don't work hard as a kid, it just doesn't make you – and I don't want to speak for everybody and I, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience and friends and family that I've watched and yeah. you're just never going to regret working hard. Boy, that's something. You know, and when we get out of the, the sake of racing for some goal, when we just work hard, just to work hard, we climb the mountain because it's there. Wow. It's right there. Let's climb it. You know, uh, for my sons, people laugh at me when I say this, I want three ninjas. That's what I want. I want three ninjas. I got three sons. I want them to be all three ninjas. Yep. I want them to kick butt in school. I yep. want them to be the best people they can be. Yep. And it's a goal set out there for them. And, you know, if it's not like uh, we're not doing it for a title. I think that's really interesting that you're not – and I want to get stoned in on this, that when you're talking to your sons, and again, you know, as, as Rami mentioned, he's not he's not telling you what you got to do. He's saying what, what he has learned and what he's experienced and – when someone wins two NCAA champions, I'm listening. You may not. I'm listening because I'm yeah. like, I didn't win two NCAA champions. I didn't win two high school champions. No. I didn't win two nothing. <laughs> so many people have done so much more in the sport than I than I do. I almost get like borderline embarrassed when people talk about anything I've done because you know, it pales I've, in comparison I've to some of my that, heroes. I've noticed that with great athletes, and I think part of the thing is when you when you stop at high school, like when you're high school when you're done, which is me. I have a better perspective sometimes than guys like you do on yourself mm-hmm. because we realize how hard we worked in high school, but it didn't, it didn't, it di- we couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. And so you have, I have this, this really intense respect for anybody who, who plays college anything. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then pro I'm like, okay, that that's another one. So sometimes it's perspective. Your perspective is from the level you were at up. Mm-hmm. Mine's the level I'm at up. And so the reason I look at it that way, and I think, you remember, most people in the world, in America for sure, never came close. And so we can learn a lot. That's why I want to hear from, I want to read Bill Walsh's book. I want to read Jerry Rice's book. I want to hear what Michael Jordan has to say. I want to hear what LeBron has to say. Forget what you think of these guys. Kobe Bryant, I, I, he was, I was never a huge fan of Kobe Bryant's uh, in basketball. But he he's doing some things right now with his life that I go I got to pay attention to that that's mm-hmm. special. So I'm more trying to help the the group understand the level of challenge it takes to go from being a freshman in high school then a sophomore in high school just to make the team puts you in a rare percentage to be a star on a team puts you in an even rarer percentage and then to jump from high school to pro that that that's a whole other level. So I think that. The things you know, you probably undervalue because yeah. you accomplished them. 
And it's on you wanted to jump in. Well, there. I, I was going to talk a little bit about the, the hard work. I think that one of the things that helped when I was coaching is to get the, the kids to buy into the team concept, you know, that their, their work ethic influenced the kids around them. Right. And one of the fun things that we didn't, couldn't do this very often, but at the end of practice, everybody's pretty tired at the end of practice. And I would say, gather everybody in a circle and say, okay, we're going to do, last thing we do three sets of push-ups. That's all we're going to, uh, four sets of push-ups. We've got four sets of push-ups. And we're going to either do, each set's going to either be one or 40. And I'd pick four kids and I'd say, they get to determine. Is it going to be one or is it going to be 40? And everybody's cheering because they think, oh, we'll do one, one, one. And I said, okay, so, you know, Charlie Jones here, you, you're going to, de- Tell us first, are we going to do one or are we 40 for our first one? I said, but before Charlie tells us, Charlie's got to answer this question to himself. Is Charlie the kind of guy who would sell out your future to be popular in just one moment? Oh. <laughs> and then all the kids would start That's groaning. Awesome. And then because Charlie's going, his eyes would roll back. I said, well, Charlie, what's it going to be? <laughs> That's 40. <great. laughs> do 40. Uh, we would do 40 every time. Every time I can get them to think about their influence on the whole yeah, and, and not just themselves, they would pick the hardest route. And I think that because they started thinking about their friends and making each other better. That's amazing. That's great. That That's was incredible. a fun exercise. So, so when you're talking about leadership and you're talking about – and I love what you said about your sons. Here's why I love that. You weren't telling them they needed to win a gold medal or they wouldn't need to be a, win a championship. They needed to be some, some a kind of person. Mm-hmm. And then what you're banking on, based on your experience, is when you become a kind of person, that's going to result in yes. you being the best you could be at whatever you can be. And, that, and I think what that's important for kids out there, for parents like me. I'm a parent, and I've got a 16 year old, and I'm dealing with what you're talking about now, like living out here in California. <laughs> There's just not like I had to shovel my driveway mm-hmm. of snow. <laughs> I had to stand at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come take you to school because you had buses in and, the snow, and, in the snow and, and in the rain. And the bus was late. And you if you left because you were cold, you would miss school. So you had to stand there. You do that enough. And you're just like. You, when you move to places like this, you're like fierce. You're like, hey, there's no, there's right. no obstacles. Right. <laughs> My Life greatest good. obstacle, there's a cloud. Life is good. <laughs> um, so, so that that tells me that in some ways you believe it's about character first, as opposed to um, the internal character, the development of your character, as opposed to goals. That if if you're dealing with a kid, you want to make sure you're helping them get a reachable achievable thing which is becoming some kind of person as opposed to giving them what may be unreachable like if i say i'm going to be a physicist and maybe i can't do it the key is that i learn how to work hard without a doubt it's it's no different from any class i teach to any practice it's really the people that are associated with me i want them to develop the ability to demand the most from themselves all the time this is what i do it's like me to pick up that piece of trash. It's like me to be on time. It's like me to work hard the whole practice. It's like me to focus and listen to the teacher and be respectful. It's like me to do that. And that's the type of people that I'm trying to build. And the things I talk to my son about are more cautionary tales. Like, you see what happens to people that don't work hard. You see what happens, don't you? Like, you see how they they act. You see what their habits are. You see what their future looks like. Right. You know, this whole... um, racketeering thing with all these parents cheating to get their kids into school yeah, the and scam. buying their ways, the, the scam. Yeah. Uh, like, I like that story. 
I like this story because – Why do you like that story? I like the story because I don't like it in, in terms of the people that were cheated from the opportunity from those people. Sure. But I like it from the from the standpoint – I can look at my boys and go, you're going to be all right. You're going to do it for real. You, you're uh, not going to have to fake it. We're not going to have to – we're not going to have to – I don't want fake anything. Yeah. I don't want fake grades. I don't want fake success. I don't want fake skills. Either you have skills or you don't. And that's love. Because you're Absolutely. loving them for who they are. Absolutely. I'm going to hold them accountable. You, you, you know, it's funny and about the scam. And, and I've, I've got different variations on that. Part of me emotionally goes, there's so many major problems in the country mm-hmm. that I'm not sure I want to watch a lot of TV news about rich people finding right. a way to get around right. the system. I mean, they, in my opinion, they should just go, okay, fine them a lot of money and send it to inner cities around the country or something or make them create scholarships for kids to go to school at college or something. Do something like that. But to me... The real history lesson, and you know, today, uh, the the studies they've done show that students are studying history less than ever Mm. in college. The real history lesson is uh, you want to talk about having opportunities taken away, go back to the 50s and 60s, go back to the 40s when you had African-Americans regularly kept out of the system. You had Jews regularly kept out of the system. Sometimes we can lose perspective and go, okay, I I know some kids lost an opportunity. But you know what? Most of those kids who didn't get into the school because of those actors, kids, or whatever, they went to another school. And I think that we overrate one school over another. I think at the end of the day, in education, I hate to say it to all those people that are stressed, in education is an education. Mm. Well, well, it's so funny. I I heard, you know, whenever, you know, racism's real, and I don't like to talk about it that much. Sure. But uh, whenever I get to, uh, you know, boo-hooing myself about racism, I go, well, are they sicking dogs on me? Exactly. Are, are they are they, they hosing me down? And you do need perspective. Well, no, they're not doing that. So it's been worse, <laughs> and life goes on. That's it. And uh, that's why history is so important. That's why it's so important because right. I think without history, you lose all perspective. Now, I don't want to get away from what you're teaching us because it, it it sounds to me like if you were looking at society culturally, you would say our greatest danger. Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech on this in the whatever 1800s. Uh, the greatest danger. He said one of the greatest da- greatest threats to America is the love of soft living. Mm. And um, and that was in the 1800s. Wow. And he was very fearful that because we were becoming a wealthy nation and uh, that people were gaining more leisure time, even though compared to today they didn't have anything, they were gaining more leisure time, that we would descend down this thing where everybody wanted an easy way. And he was about the robust life. That was his whole thing about you. He was sick and asthmatic as a kid. Oh, I know all about him. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Then you know, a wrestler and a boxer, too. Yes. And his yeah. dad said, look, you got a weak body. Your only hope is to strengthen this thing up. And he just went nuts. Yeah. Working hard. Uh, maybe overdid it later in life and, and, and going to Africa and trying mm. to do all kinds of safari things and right. collect things and caught malaria. But um, so, so definitely an interesting guy. Well, when you look, when, when you, yes, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's in the top five for sure in my book. But when you look at leadership today and you say, and, and I think you're giving this advice, and you say, okay, if, if you want to be an effective leader, I think you're saying uh, the same way I raise my kids, you want to start You want to start in, in and work your way out. You want to build character in and work your way out. Uh, and so, Which is hard to do if you don't have role models, which if you don't have good – Leadership. If you don't have good parenting, if you don't have, if people don't hold you accountable, yeah. if people let, you, you know, I even I struggle with my youngest. Like he can, he manipulates me, and and <laughs> I, I parenting one on one. I'm a little weaker with him, and I'm yeah. not as I'm a little lazier with him. And tired. I know. And, Isn't that something? You yeah. get tired on that yeah. that young one. He gets he gets away with a lot that the older two don't. Yeah. So it's uh, consistency. 
Well, I'm going to run you through some because I, I I'm going to run you through some concepts okay. if you don't mind, and we're just going to do kind of a. I don't know. It's not a game, but it's it, it, it'll help our listeners. Because if you're listening, if you listen to episode one and you're listening to this one, I I, I know I'm just excited talking to Brahman. Um, it's not just because he's a Midwesterner, and not because just because of his his sports history and 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 his current sports life. Uh, it just to hear the stories of people who have um, worked in their life to achieve things, uh, fought through the obstacles and the difficulties of life. Uh, had parenting that is, um, you know, in this world, you would have to say is extraordinary. All of our parents had weaknesses, but it's just extraordinary when you have parents who actually mentor you and guide you in life because a lot of kids don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Some kids have parents who will pay for stuff but won't mentor and won't guide. Um, some kids have parents who can't pay for stuff, can't mentor or guide because the poverty in life has dealt them a, a bad hand. So so you're fortunate. But I, I love some of the things you've been talking about in these episodes, emotional control, whipping anxiety, being able to beat anxiety on demand, um, um, being trying to be the ideal person you can be. You don't have to be better than someone else. You have to be the best you can be and that that's got to be enough. And we can't be sad when we walk away and say, man, I wasn't as good as that kid. Uh, we have to walk away and say, I was as good as I can be and that's good enough. And then cheer the other guy on and say, mm. hey, I had a friend of mine, I got a promotion that he didn't get that he really wanted and he was going to end up, he, he, was, he was above me for a long time and then it ended up, I ended up getting promoted past him and um, he and I were talking one day and he said, you know, I went out and bought a poster the other day. I said, okay, cool. And uh, we were just out of college and he said, uh, uh, want me to tell you about the poster? I said, feel free. He told me about the poster. He said, it's a poster of a bunch of guys racing. And there's one guy that uh, is is crossing the finish line right before the other guy. And it says, if you can't finish first, make sure the guy ahead of you breaks the record. Yeah. And uh, I think when I listen to what you talked about today, that's what I think about. I think about you're trying to make guys who, if they can't finish first, make sure the guy ahead of them breaks the record. And I think that kind of that 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 is beyond mental toughness. Right. Well, that's been a process, too. Um, and there's, you know. I'm always evolving. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to figure out a new way to to teach and be more effective and also um, care more about the athletes in my care, yeah. right, um, and my students. Um, but there is the fierceness and the first place and the gold medal that is still a driving force. You know, I, you know, I won a state title in high school. I was a senior undefeated state champion. In Iowa. No, That's in Nebraska. A, I'm sorry, in Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. And then I, I won. Which is another great wrestling state. Great state. It's all <laughs> yeah. right. It's all right. And I won two NCAA titles, but they were all identical. So, I, you know, I look at it. you got eight chances, right? Four years in high school, four years in college. Right. And I was three, three for eight, three for eight, right? Five times I didn't win. And the three times that I did win, they were all identical in terms of my mindset where I started the season with, if I don't win first, it's a complete waste of time. That was for me. Yes. And I don't put that type of pressure on my athletes. But I know personally, I never won without that. And my brain, like water runs downhill. The humans take the path of least resistance. And so if I put it in my brain that there was a chance I would lose, I always lost. So it had to be, I had to burn the bridges. I had to burn the ships. Mm -hmm. I had to win or perish. That's the only way my, my, my brain could Figured and, out the and, puzzle, and, and it sounds like to that, getting my hand raised. When, when I hear your story, that happened from fourth to seventh grade. That fourth to seventh grade journey, you figured out something about that uh, suspending objective reality thing. I just know I didn't want to get embarrassed. 
I, I didn't like wrestling that much. I didn't want my dad criticizing me because I was too <laughs> soft. And, it's very and he wasn't, t- he wasn't tender big, enough. That's a very Midwest thing right there, oh, boy. You know what Bill Walsh says? I know you're familiar with Bill Walsh. Oh, yes. I think, you know, Belichick's giving him the challenge and be, in coaching. But, I mean, up till Bill, Bill Belichick, the best coach, greatest coach ever, maybe still the greatest coach Easily. ever. He said, someone asked him, he said, well, how in the world do you win so much? He goes, fear of losing. Because right. <laughs> I, I am petrified and right. I hate the feeling of losing. It is. It, it will motivate you like no other if you hate to lose. And I, I am definitely on the Michael Jordan tip where I hate losing more than I ever liked winning. Uh, winning is more of a relief. Losing is, is terrifying. Um, so that's, that's intense. Let me ask you this. So when you think about and, and, and we, 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 we have to develop a terminology for what you're talking about because you're right. This is so far beyond mental toughness. This is this is holistic. Right. This mm. is about life. This mm. is about how do you manage your your the, the, the multiple components of your life, your physical, your mental, your emotional, even your spiritual. How do you how do you bring all those to to bear on the given task you have? But I'm gonna mention some words to you that I think you'll you'll have a response to. And you just give me okay. your your response. Preparation. I love it. Bob Knight, I'll give you a statement that I think you might, and you, you're familiar with Bob Knight because you're, you're a Midwest guy. I once heard Bob Knight say, this is Jay Billis, I once heard Bob Knight say that everybody has a will to win, but not everybody has a will to prepare to win. Does that sound right? Uh, I think it's 1,000%. I think the, the, the true gift is the ability to focus on what you want and work really hard and, and pay attention to details and just do it every day and be consistent about it. That's the real talent. That's helping me. Well, Jay Billis, one of the things he said in his book is he said, um, you know, what, and I might have a note on it here. He said the, no, actually I don't. I just remember it. He said, what I have learned in life, having played basketball, Duke, et cetera, et cetera, is I used to think toughness was me getting in there physically and pushing guys around. And it wasn't, it, and he prescribes exactly what you described today about toughness being something that happens from the inside out. But he said, I've learned that toughness is a skill. Mm. And that, mm. that 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 too many coaches, and he was talking about college basketball. Too many coaches are not understanding that toughness is a skill, and it's one that when you say to a kid, "Be tough," he has no idea what you mentioned, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to teach it, and he kind of implies that some of the coaches coaching out there today don't know how to teach it because they don't know so what true. it is. So true. Well, but I, I said earlier that I think there's a lot of people out there that can teach wrestling well, and I, I stand by that. But I want – when I say a lot, it's really not a lot. You know, there's a lot in the terms of there's a lot of people in the world, but there's not that many people that are really good teachers. I was talking to my class about this the other day. But how many good lawyers are there? Right. How many good doctors are there? Yeah. How many good dentists are there? Yeah. So it, it's the percentage of society is not going to be at the upper range in every given skill. So yep. there's not that many awesome teachers of basketball, teachers of wrestling in a specific area. So like, yeah, I want to teach. I, I work hard to teach them how to wrestle, teach them how to think. And a lot of people are lazy and they gloss over or they just kind of tell them, yep. I'll watch coaches coach and I'll watch the kid do something and then I'll watch the, the coach say something to the kid afterwards, and I'm going, yeah, but you didn't address the problem. Yes. Like you coached all around the problem. Yes. And that's not why they're not winning in that position. You didn't really address – and I'm trying to figure out, is it that you just don't know it 
or you're too lazy or they want to cut corners. So um, when I as – a, as a coach, I never really fear kids like that wrestler over there or that – I'm always like, who's coaching them? Who's coaching uh-huh. that program? Who's running that program? Who's teaching that kid how to wrestle? And I respect the coaches and the, whoever their sensei is, so yes. to speak. Yes. As opposed to the individual athlete. You went full Karate Kid on me right yes, there, sir. man. You went full Karate <laughs> Kid. You know, I, I love Karate Kid. Yeah, I, it's I'm a great all movie. in. I'm so many lessons from Karate Kid. I'm, yep. Oh my gosh! You right? Could, you, you, right? I'm telling you, it's a great movie. if somebody just if you just lost, just to put there's two movies to put on t on, on the screen that are old time. Rocky three. Oh yeah, that's a good. Yeah, put that Rocky one in Karate Kid. And and I think that's the, when he got his mojo back in Rocky Three. That's exactly right. right. Yes. And right, you know, he was facing the club and Lang, get, and he lost the, eye of the you, tiger. Oh, yeah, oh, that's it. I, that 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 thing. So 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 okay. I, I'm going to give you another one. Courage. Okay. Courage. Courage is going when you're scared. You go anyway. So right? this, like a soldier. This like, is this is. And a quote. I, and I talk to my students about okay. courage all the time. Like this is. Hey, we're going to do a forward roll. Okay. I know some of you are scared. You're not going to get hurt. This match is designed for that. Well, whatever, whatever. But you need a little courage right now. Think about people that actually have to really have courage and uh-huh. go out and fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's some courage. Yes. So this is nothing, kids. So there's a quote that came out of the uh, the book I've been referring to, Toughness, Developing True Strength on and Off the Court by Jay Billis. And I think this matches what you were saying. He writes, however, tough people face their fears and doubts head on, and they overcome them so they can function at the highest level without that fear and doubt inhibiting their ability to perform at their best. Embracing fear and using it to push yourself to get better takes courage. And when I read that quote now, because I prepared it ahead of time, I realize it's what you said from the very beginning, that mental toughness is the capacity to whip anxiety. Mm -hmm. And not just to whip anxiety, to whip it on demand. Mm -hmm. I remember times in my life, young, middle-aged, and now, um, which I guess I'm still middle-aged, so to speak, but the I could put turn on toughness for a, a moment or a goal, mm-hmm. but I couldn't pull it out on demand. Mm. And if I faced something that I was uncomfortable with or or, or had never worked that hard on, mm-hmm. you know, one of my best experiences in life, so I was a pretty spoiled kid. I was the youngest. Mm. So now we talked about you get tired when you're young. My parents, by the time I got to me, they were like, okay, here's a car. <laughs> right. Here's the, just, that, <laughs> we want to take naps and rest. Free agent. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I was the only boy, okay. only boy. And, and so um, I got to college. And I decided to stay in Boston for a summer instead of go home, which would have been easier and more lucrative for me and all that. Um, and I waited to the last minute. And so because I did, you know, there's there were hundreds, thousands of college students in Boston. I couldn't find one of the good jobs because mm. I didn't start early enough. So I ended up working at an ice cream store. I had never really worked a job. The jobs I'd worked were I worked for the recreation department at my school. And then when I got out of college uh, or graduated high school, uh, a friend of my mom's was a personnel director for one of the major companies, and they had a campground they owned in northern Michigan, huge campground, and they bought a mobile home, and they selected two students that were going to go to college to run the camp, and you got paid for doing that, and you basically kept the boat straight and the fishing equipment right. right and, Fun job. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So here I am in Boston. I end up working at Brigham's Ice Cream, and I got to be there at 7, and I get up at 4.30, and I don't have a car, so I had to, I bought a bike, and I had to ride my bike about – 12 miles to get to work and back. And I'd never done any of this before in my life. Mm-hmm. And I and I remember, I, and then they I got there and they said, you got to wear this uniform. And I was humiliated because I'm like, I'm from the brilliant school and I'm a brilliant <laughs> person and now I'm wearing this paper hat right. and with this brown little, you know, it wasn't a daishiki, but it almost looked like, <laughs> <laughs> almost looked like one. 
And, and, and the manager says, okay, let me tell you who's going to, you know, train you for your job. And I'm night, I'm, uh, I'm 18, I'm 18 and I'm, uh, um, um, going to my sophomore year. So I'm 18 and, uh, he brings me over this kid and he's like a high school sophomore and he's going to be my boss basically. Oh, wow. And I was like, you have got to be <laughs> kidding me. I have been reduced to this. I had to work the ice cream and I was in the banking district of Boston where the wealthiest, some of the wealthiest were working. I had to work ice cream, make shakes and, uh, watch these guys come in in these thousand dollar suits and Mm -hmm. they wanted to get their little, you know, shake and whatever and their ice cream cone or whatever. And Mm -hmm. they acted like you didn't exist. And it was one of the more toughening molding experiences of me because it made me realize you're nothing special. No one here thinks you're anything special Mm -hmm. and you're being trained by this kid Mm -hmm. who, you know, he's, he's younger than you. He, in your mind, my mind, Mm -hmm. my arrogant mind, he's not going to do what you're going to do in life. How can this be? By the end of the time I worked, the guy I appreciated the most, so I appreciated the manager. I became really good friends with the kid who was training me. Hmm. And, um, and there was a construction worker who used to come in every day, and he gave me my biggest tip of the day. Hmm. All the banking guys wouldn't even give a tip or would right. just walk away. And he dropped, back, this is the 80s or whatever, he dropped 50 or 75 cents in this cup. He hmm. said, here you go, man. You know. And I remember walking away going, here's these elite, brilliant, really wealthy guys and here's this guy who's really working his tail off, mm-hmm. making a lot less. He's giving me the biggest tip. And here I am, known for scooping ice cream. And for the first time in my life, I, I sat down. I remember after this, I went, that was the first job I ever had in my life, mm-hmm. where I had to work hard, not for an award, but just because I had to work hard. And I didn't get paid that much. It changed my life to have that experience. And when I listen to you talk, I think for leaders to become leaders – they have to be willing to put themselves or allow themselves to be put in a position where they get no credit, right, they right. get no glory, mm-hmm. and they just learn, how did you say it? The joy of working hard to work hard. Mm-hmm. And it took me till I was 18 to ever experience that. I know a lot of people experienced it before. Thank you for listening to the Lead Different Podcast. Make sure to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. We'd really appreciate that. And feel free to share our leadership content with others and go to russyule.com for more leadership content like this. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.